just in case you were wondering where we are, let them know. going on ladies and gentlemen this is your boy Croft. how's everybody doing out there today listen i am so so excited to welcome you to the child welfare raising awareness podcast listen y'all this is the podcast that keeps you in the know about all things child welfare This podcast is brought to you by Tuskegee University, the Department of Social Work, and I will be your host. That's right, your boy Croft. So if you are a student, current child care professional, educator, or parent, know this, you have landed in the right place because this is the podcast show where we will raise awareness about interesting child welfare-related topics. Now listen, I will be bringing on various guest experts to discuss real-world topics that relates to child welfare just to equip you for practice. I must say, y'all, it's going to be quite interesting to say the least. I look forward to seeing you soon. This is your boy Croft. We'll be hollering at you later. <laughs> Peace. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This it's your boy Croft, and I'm so glad to be here today, y'all. You know, you know, this is all about child welfare. I'm telling you, this is the Raising Awareness podcast. This is the podcast that keeps you in the know about all things child welfare. You know, this podcast is brought to you by Tuskegee University, the Department of Social Work. And that's right. I am your host, Spencer Croft. And listen, we're going to do it up this afternoon. Listen, I got a guest this today that's like none other. I'm talking about Dr. Tayahara Wilson. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Wilson. She is a native of the Mississippi Gulf Coast, a mental health clinician, advocate, and leader in the wellness arena. Listen, y'all, as a licensed mental health clinician and psychologist, She is the founder of Centered on Healing, LLC, Kohi, the creator of Therapy University, TM, a wellness app, and currently serves as an associate director and deputy Title IX coordinator in higher education. Listen, y'all, I'm talking about Dr. Wilson. As a clinician, Dr. Wilson provides client-centered solution focused mental health and wellness resources and services to individuals using a holistic approach. Listen, y'all, her mission and that of the Kohi team is to see clients whole, healed, and healthy. Now, she believes that healthy individuals create healthy communities. Kohi is a one-stop hub providing services, tools, resources, and support to help our clients, to help their clients achieve the wellness goals. Dr. Wilson specializes in work around anxiety, depression, identity, parenting, and PTSD. As an associate director and deputy of Title IX coordinator, Dr. Wilson oversees university-wide Title IX investigations as it relates to bias discrimination, sexual assault and violence, 
domestic dating violence, and sexual misconduct. She partners with university departments, organizations, and community leaders, and advocates to create safe spaces absent of sexual assault and violence. Dr. Wilson is committed to creating communities of wellness with the belief, y'all, of that it truly, it truly takes a village. Y'all, without further ado, I want to introduce you to none other than Dr. Tayahari Wilson. What's going on? How you doing? Hello. How are you today? Oh, it's the greatest day of my life. Now, 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 let me tell you why I say it's the greatest day of my life. Okay. Okay. I say it's the greatest day of my life because, you know, tomorrow's a promissory note that you may not ever see. Mm-hmm. And yesterday is a canceled check. So all we got is right now. And oh, we're going to make the best of it. Oh, that's gonna good. We're going to make the best of it. So, <laughs> so, so listen, you're doing all right today. How's the weather? You know what? I'm doing absolutely uh, phenomenal, Croft. And I'm going to tell you, I don't, I don't know if I could say that it's the best day of my life, but it's an absolutely amazing day here in Houston, Texas. And I'm so excited about uh, the space and the opportunity to have this conversation with you um, about child wellness and welfare. So yeah, it's a great day. Good deal. Good deal. So we're going to get started right in this thing. So tell us about your business. Yeah, so as it relates to practice, Centered on Healing, again, is very much um, like what you shared in the introduction. It is a client-centered, solution-focused practice uh, that is committed uh, to the health, healing, and wholeness of individuals and families. And so with the work that we do, we just want to see people live their very best life. And so whatever we can do to support that, um, we want to show up uh, to do that for people. We want to create safe spaces for um, authentic healing and wellness. And unfortunately, um, those spaces are not always accessible uh, to people. And so we're doing our best um, to make it an an inclusive and welcoming space um, to anyone, uh, any individual, any families uh, who are looking to, to elevate their wellness. My goodness, my goodness. Now, Dr. Wilson, you've been doing this a while. What I wanna Mm -hmm. ask you is, 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 is that, is child welfare social work on the rise? And, and, and if so, why? Child welfare and social work is absolutely on the rise. And I think that we'll continue to see an influx um, of child welfare and social work needs uh, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. There's going to be more children. Um, that are going to be uh, coming into our communities and showing up in spaces right everywhere in cities and towns everywhere. Um, But also, unfortunately, um, that with that influx and with that increase, there's going to be a greater need uh, for service and support for many of those children who will be displaced or who will become um, a part of some of our social work uh, systems. And so um, the increase uh, for one is because a lot of families Uh, may not have the support that they need to be able to provide for their children. So I think it's kind of an issue that we see on both a macro and a micro level. You know, it is a systemic theme, uh, a thing as it relates to, um, you know, uh, uh, systems and provision and uh, socioeconomic status and accessibility. Uh, And then on a more micro level, it's about 
uh, kind of, again, as I said uh, at the beginning, it's the trickle down effects of the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the fact that for many people, although they may have children and desire children, they just may simply not be equipped to adequately support or provide for their children. So yes, we are absolutely going to see an increase and an influx as it relates to um, child services uh, and, and, and um, uh, child welfare. Yes, absolutely. My God, my God, you I, I can tell you're very passionate about what you do. Uh, but what I what I really want to know is the 15-year-old Taya Hire, did she know she was gonna be doing this kind of work? <laughs> oh man. You know, at 15, I don't think that I I knew that I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to help people. I've always been a pusher, I've always been an encourager. And I've always been generous as it relates to kind of uh, sharing uh, my own resources, whatever I could do to help a person, I've done that. I wasn't really sure at 15 um, how that part of me would show up, you know, professionally or later on in life. But I always knew that I wanted to just help people. And I think that that is because um, I grew up in a space, right? So South Mississippi, uh, Mississippi, mm. of course, is one of the most impoverished states uh, in yes, our nation. Is. And yeah. so I saw a lot of poverty. I saw a lot of lack. I saw a lot of people who were hurting. Um, mm -hmm. I saw a lot of people who had great need. But what I didn't see uh, was a lot of solutions or a lot of resources or a lot of efforts to elevate people or a lot of efforts to deal with things um, at the root, right? So a lot of band-aiding and kind of temporary fixes, but not really root solutions. And so I knew that I would do something in, an help, in a helping field and a helping profession um, that would help to heal and to elevate other people. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. now during, during your tenure, what, I got two, this is a two-part question. What was your most, you know, fulfilling moment, uh, time doing this? And what was your most, one of your most, ah, interesting or scariest moments? You know, uh, there's a lot of scary moments in this mental health space. I think mm -hmm. that, you know, this is a profession um, that requires a lot of passion and um, it's very heart heavy and it's very emotionally taxing. And so there are always moments where we wonder, have we done enough to show up for the people that we serve? Um, are we adequately equipped uh, to meet the need? Sometimes there's a little bit of imposter syndrome that may try to show up. And then sometimes mm -hmm. we wonder, do our clients have the will to follow through or to show up for themselves in the way that we so desperately want to see them do so. And so there are always kind of scary moments. Um, and when I'm working, I would say more so with youth and young people, um, especially those who kind of wrestle or battle with suicidal ideation and things like that. Those for me are the most sensitive and most vulnerable moments uh, in this field and in this space, because I never want anyone to make a decision that is so final and finite that they can't recover from or they can't change their mind about at a later time. So that's probably the scariest part of serving in this space. Um, as it relates to, to um, what I am most proud of, I would say just having the liberties that come with private practice, being able to decide uh, what demographics 
uh, I'm most passionate about serving, um, being able to move in, in um, certain specializations, you know, and not really like spreading myself so thin, trying to uh, speak to the needs of everything, but really kind of honing in on what I do uh, best as a clinician and how I'm able to show up uh, in the best way for the people that I serve. So that's what I'm most proud of is the, are the liberties that come with being in private practice. Uh, it can be a difficult space sometimes, uh, but I think that most importantly, uh, it allows me to really, really be most effective to the people um, who have the need in the areas that I specialize in. So, yeah, I love this work and, you know, I'm going to continue to do it until I can't do it anymore. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's, mm -hmm. that's so wonderful. That's so wonderful. And that's the great thing about social work when you have people who really, really care, because mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it takes a lot out of a human being to, yeah. you know, care for others like you do, like you mm -hmm. do. So what advice would you give to a student waiting to enter the behavioral science profession? And then, you know, advice to those currently in the profession. Yeah. Okay. So for students who are looking, um, who are in the behavioral sciences, there's a few things that I would say. Um, first, I would say to do the work of your own self-awareness. You know, you want to come into this space having the highest level of EQ or emotional intelligence that is possible. Um, but of the five areas of EQ, I would say that self-awareness is the most important. You got to know what you need uh, for you in order for you to be uh, motivated. You've got to know what your triggers are. Uh, you've got to know uh, where your biases are. You know, what populations um, are you more reluctant to serve? Uh, what populations are you more inclined to serve? Uh, to serve? Um, what groups are you most drawn to? What groups are you most passionate about? So I would say first and foremost, really having a high EQ, really being very much self-aware uh, and even understanding your own uh, intrinsic motivation is really, really important for students. Um, and then secondly, I would say really making your self-care a priority. Uh, it's not uh, the best practice to enter into this field um, and not have your self-care plan in place or not being able to incorporate a level of flexibility that will allow you to adjust your self-care as you move through these processes of becoming credentialed or as, or as you become licensed. Um, make your wellness a priority. Uh, I think that when you dishonor your own needs, you at the beginning of this process, uh, you really diminish the quality of care that you'll be equipped to offer to your to your clients. And then also, you really want to be uh, a person who practices um, the principles that you teach to your clients or that you impart into your clients. Um, as it relates to individuals who are currently serving in, uh, serving in this field, I would say um, the same thing. Our self-awareness is very important, understanding what we need, under, um, honoring our own boundaries, knowing when too much, um, uh, it, when it's too much, knowing when to pull back, knowing when to uh, shift that workload or that caseload, knowing when you need to take time for self. Um, and really, really just kind of honoring your own needs are significant um, to being successful as a behavioral health student and as a behavioral health uh, professional. So, yeah, th that's my best advice.
today. Wow. 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 That's wonderful. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I heard you say something and, you know, when to know how to take time for self in this business, uh, it sounds like it's possible to lose yourself for trying to help someone else. Is that possible? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can lose yourself and you can really do a lot of self-harm unknowingly, um, mm -hmm. unintentionally. You can begin to really diminish yourself, diminish your own capacity. Uh, every person has a limited capacity. Every person has a threshold. And when we begin to work in such a way that dishonors that capacity, that dishonors that threshold, it really does diminish us, right, internally. Um, it hinders our emotional well-being. And that's when people begin to experience experience things like burnout and unnecessary frustration and bitterness, mm. and then even begin to have a physical and physiological and biological responses uh, that are very negative because we did not honor our own boundaries. We did not make our self-care a priority, or we failed to make our self-care a priority because we just weren't self-aware. We didn't know uh, where to establish those boundaries, where to pull back, um, where to delegate, where to say no, and when to say no. And so all of those things are pivotal. They're very important um, to us and our ability to show up for others to provide these services. Wow, wow. And in, in your bio, you, you, you were saying that you truly believe it takes a village. Well, I was listening the other day, I was talking to some people and they were like, do we still have them? Are the villages still there? Oh, some man. neighborhoods say, I'm looking for my village. Oh man, that is so good. Um, I would say that the villages are still there. I think that because everything is kind of shifting and changing, sometimes the village is not visible, right? Mm, it's, mm. it's not immediately visible. You have to seek the village out. And the best way to do that is to start with your deficit. You know, where can I have my, in what space are my needs being met? And what space are my needs going unmet? But who has my answer? Who has my solution? Um, who are those who show up for me? Is it my mentor in an educational space or in a ministry space? Is it a neighbor? Um, is it someone, you know, on the job? You know, look for uh, where the deficits are being met or where the needs are being answered. And that's how you track down your village. And sometimes your village may be a person online. It may be the person who's always, uh, who's your friend on Facebook um, or who's your friend on Instagram or Twitter or some other social media space who is always rooting you on or encouraging you um, or speaking life into you, right? Or who is saying, you've got this, you can do this, or hey, you, those are the people who are a part of our village. You know, your village may not be a local. They may not mm -hmm. live across the street. They may not be in your local community. They may be spread out across mm -hmm. the city or the state or the nation, but there is a village for each of us. And the way that you find your village is you look at your deficit and you determine who has been there to help me reconcile this deficit. Who has shown up for me in my time of need? And that's how you locate your village. Wow. Wow. Now that's, that's really good because you're telling me sometimes the social worker needs social work. And <laughs> I mean, <Yes. laughs> 
I yes. mean, that's 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 really that's really serious too. I mean, you know, this is a a, a great interview, uh, Dr. Wilson. I mean, you know, you, you're seeing a lot. You you talked about these villages and everything. They might not be across the street. I mean, you know, it might be that person that you know that you that you talk to on social media and stuff. And I think that person should always be like. I'll say a phone charger. When you're down to two bars, they need to be able to charge you back up to four. Yeah. So I, 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 I definitely believe that. I mean, you've given us some great, great information. And I'm sure everyone who's listening, I mean, they're taking this in. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I'm sure they're being a sponge right now because, I mean, what you've said, I mean, it's like, it's just the greatest. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know what? So, and Croc, is it? And can I just add something to that? Just yes, briefly. Yes, yes. I think that we have to begin to deal with our own expectation. The reason mm -hmm. that sometimes we have a difficult time locating our our village is because sometimes our village doesn't look like what we think it should. Right, it may not be right. a cousin or a friend or the person you you grew up with or the people who are in your immediate circle. Uh, sometimes we have an expectation of people um, to that we expect them to meet that they just can't meet or they're just not equipped for. And so we have to. Um, change or or I guess I should say expand our expectation as it relates to finding our village so that we can be open to receiving them uh when they identify themselves and I guess I guess what you're saying right that that comes from experience absolutely oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> listen y'all 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 got a hard job y'all got a hard job and uh, I mean you know I take off my hat to you and uh you, you, you're doing a great job so Dr. Wilson uh is that anything else that you wish to share uh before we get ready to end this this podcast yeah absolutely if i were to share anything else i would say um to those who are serving in this capacity to just keep going um there are so many reasons to um to be discouraged to to feel exhausted and i'm not saying that we don't have a responsibility and an obligation to ourselves and others to honor that we absolutely should honor it but i don't want uh because i am seeing so many people walk away from the field because they have given so much and i want to encourage those who are listening to know that the work that we do matters uh we don't just save uh, change lives in many cases we literally save lives in many cases social workers psychologists and clinicians in these helping fields uh we are the answers to somebody's prayer and so i don't want um individuals who are experiencing some discouragement to give up or to exit this field or to exit this space because the work that we do sometimes is minimized or perhaps is not valued in the way that it should be. But just know that the work that we do matters and it matters in the way that it's not always honored, but just understand that the fruit of our work makes everything that we do and everything that we've gone through to get to this place completely worth it. Wow. Wow. That's that's absolutely wonderful. Hey, listen, y'all, we're talking to Dr. Wilson, who believes that a client should be whole, healed and healthy. You know, she she believes that she definitely believes that. And 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 she believes that healthy individuals, 
you know, create healthy communities, which that's exactly what we want. Dr. Wilson, we want to thank you so much. Who you want to shout out to out there? <laughs> thank you so much. You know, if I were to shout out anybody, I would shout out my village uh, and those who support me and who kind of uh, encourage me to continue to do this work. Uh, super grateful for Dr. Jones, all of her support and the amazing work that she's doing there at Tuskegee University. She is a shero indeed. Um, and just all of those who are serving in this mental health, social work, helping field. I am uh, extremely grateful to be a part of uh, the work that we all do. Good deal. And thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, y'all, you've been listening to Dr. Tayahari Wilson, and uh, she has been great this evening. And I look forward to seeing her uh, in the near future, in the near future. I look forward to hearing her, seeing her. I mean, because she has so much knowledge to spread across everywhere. Thank you again, Dr. Wilson. And thank you too. Thank you, too. Thank you so much for your time this time. And until the next time, I hope it's better than the last. And as my dad would always say, you're never out of business when you mind your own. This is your boy Croft. We'll holler at you later. Peace. Thank you so very much for tuning into the Child Welfare Raising Awareness Podcast. This is the podcast, y'all, that keeps you in the know about all things child welfare. Oh, it was a great time, and we look forward to seeing you next time for another mind-stimulating conversation. And until then, remember, y'all, we strive for perfection, but if we have to settle, we only settle for excellence. This is your boy, Crawl. We'll talk to you later. Peace.